Well, it is good to be with you. I'm Joel, and uh, I just want to encourage you with something real quick. Some of you may be called to this. This is uh, this was not planned, but they're used to that with me. Um, there's a, a group up in the, in the gym right now. They're worshiping with the live team. I think sometimes we forget. We have two worship teams going live every week in both the 915 and the 1045 service. Um, and so some of you may feel called to that in order to, especially those who are spiritually mature, um, to make room in this place for more people. Um, and uh, so we, w- we want to be able to do that. So I just want to throw that out there. Um, as you guys just pray about what God's doing in your own life, because all we know is we want to make room for as many people as possible to hear about Jesus. And then we're going to send out as many as possible because we're taking Michigan back. Amen. Amen. So um, two words for you today uh, that you can write down if it would be beneficial for you as we walk through a passage. It's the second portion of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're walking in a series called uh, Restore and what it is to experience restoration in Christ. Two words, temporary, eternal. Use them all the time. Temporary, eternal. Temporary, eternal. Temporary, eternal. Please say those. That's what you're going to be forced to measure today in terms of the type of house that you are building and what that looks like for you. So what we want to be able to go ahead and do is uh, we want to start we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 23, but we're going to start with 10 through 15. I want to make sure you get your daily exercise, so we're going to be up and down a little bit more today. But will you go ahead, stand for the reading of the Word of God. Started last week, I got lots of thank you letters. Thanks for underlining what we say. Um, and so I'm going to keep doing that um, at least for another week. So you read everything that's underlined. You got it? You ready? Don't mess up. (laughs) According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, if anyone's work is burned up, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. This is the word of God. You may be seated. First Corinthians chapter three, if you want to go ahead and open up scripture with me, I concluded with verse nine last week. Verse nine, if you look at the passage says for us, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. You are God's building. You are God, think about this. You are God's building. You are God's building. You are God's building. This, this is vital because this is going to build off of that understanding when we look at the remainder of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. All right? So we think about that metaphor of field or building in verse 9. And these passages are going to help unpack more of this. Foundation, we know we've heard the housing illustration over and over again for good reason. We already know that you need to have a strong foundation. If you have cracks in the foundation, everybody say you're in trouble. trouble. All right. If you have a foundation that is not level, 
right? That's when your doors get all wonky and everything else and you can't close them all the way, right? If your foundation is not properly constructed, if it's not properly built, you're in trouble. Here's the good news. We already know that our foundation is perfect because our foundation is Jesus Christ. But imagine knowing that the foundation is perfect. I mean, think, think about this. Imagine building a house. Anybody built their own house before? Raise your, raise your hand. It's just a process of pure bliss, isn't it? It's, it's, not, it's not that bad. I've done it multiple times. I think I've constructed five, six different homes, both for myself, but also for churches and ministries throughout the years. And it's, a, it's an interesting process. Um, imagine, though, if you get a perfect foundation, you know that it is exactly square, that the concrete is so good, right? Because you can get bad concrete, right? Too much rock in there or whatever it is, or they did too much water, so then it's fragile. Water gets in there, and then um, we know we have this thing in, in Michigan called winter, and everything freezes, then it expands, it breaks up the concrete, and it's just a nightmare, amen? I just got personal real fast. <laughs> I was like, ooh. Okay, so all those things, but imagine having the, a perfect foundation and then somebody comes and goes, man, that's the best foundation I've ever seen. And so then they just get a bunch of scrap lumber to build a house with. Now, I don't know about you, I'd be bothered. Right? I'm the guy who goes into a department, you know, whether it be Gimmons or Lowe's or Home Depot, any of that stuff, and I get a two by four. What's the first thing you do with a two by four when you buy it? You put it up on its end, right? You turn it up, what's it out? And you want to see if it's like a banana, right? And if it's like a banana, do you buy it? No. Imagine somebody built your house with a bunch of bananas. You know, you know what I mean? Like, so I look at this and I, man, that's what this passage is about for us. It's forcing us to examine. We already know we have the perfect foundation. What materials are you using to build your house? So why would you build a junky house on a perfect foundation? That's what this passage is communicating. It's very simple. Listen, to and, and part of the reason I, I unpack Scripture the way I do is because I want you to be able to read Scripture and go, oh, yeah, it's not that common because I hear it all the time. Well, I don't understand Scripture. It's not hard. He used a bunch of fishermen who are uneducated. I'm not saying that if you're a fisherman that you're dumb. <laughs> you can tell what life I live. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Promise somebody else is building upon it. What are you doing? He says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. You already have a perfect foundation. No other foundation that you build can last anyway. So what are you doing? So to not build your life on Christ is being ridiculous. When we already have a perfect foundation, no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid in Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. So you have to determine what it's saying is, listen, you better know what you're building your house upon. It reminds me, um, very end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 26. You can write that down if you want to, right? All the scripture does this. 
It just fits perfectly together. Um, so Sermon on the Mount, we know that's when, right? The Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, that was the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the beginning of the Messianic ministry by Jesus after his temptation in Matthew chapter 4. Say a lot because you just need to, know, you need to know process, you need to know what's happening, you need to know rhythm, you need to know time frame, all those different things. So here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 26, it speaks about foundation. And then if you don't build your, found, your house properly or if you don't have a good foundation, when the rain comes and the wind comes, all that, what happens? You're washed away. You're no more. So it's a, it's a beautiful tie to that passage. But here, he's that, and it's also know, you better know what materials you're using to construct your house with. Bananas or not. You better know what you're using. Here's another way to think about it. Here's, I, I mentioned gold, silver, costly stones. Here's what the gold, silver, and costly stones refer to. Good quality. Are you going to use the good stuff? Or... Are you going to use wood, hay, and straw, bad stuff? What materials are you building your house with on top of the foundation? Foundation is already established through Jesus. So that means, I, we always talk about five different practices here, really that encompass all of life, right? So you have um, faith, you have finances, you have relationships, you have habits, your daily routine, right? And then you have work or school. Everything in your life falls in those five categories. Are they all gold, silver, costly stones, or are they wood, hay, and straw, which are falling apart? They will not last. Won't make it. It will not make it. Which one are you building with? Now, to go along with this... In this passage, it says, Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. Meaning, the, the day is going to come where they're going to determine which one you built with. You can't prevent that. So at the end, now, th this is not about whether or not you gain or lose salvation. This passage is about whether or not do you have a greater reward to lay at the feet of the Father. That's important. And you're going to hear, let me go ahead and address this as well. This is going, some um, Roman Catholic would use this passage that we're about to read to speak about purgatory. This is not about purgatory. In fact, there's no scripture that speaks about purgatory. It's not a scriptural thing, right? It's that time of where you go into a place of where there's going to be fire that burns away. And then one day you'll go, no, that, no, we, there is no purgatory. That's something we have made up apart from scripture. We don't add to scripture. We don't remove from scripture. Okay, so there's a lot to learn in this passage because of what sometimes we've made it to be. But we have to look at the reality of here's what Paul is speaking about. Remember, he's writing to them and he's writing primarily to the church. The believers there in Corinth, they're having a lot of quarreling. They're having a lot of dissension. We know that the place was a trade route, had a lot of resources. It fell into just moral decay with a ton of sexual immorality, etc. all these different things. We understand that. And he's writing. He's like, man, you're not building your house on the foundation with good materials. And he's making sure that they understand this. And here it says, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. So again, it's not about salvation, but it's going at the end of the day, did you build your, did you build your house with materials that represent Jesus Christ? 
And the fire is going to expose that very thing. Even in Corinth, there was a judgment seat of Christ. And, 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 and in this case, the judgment of Christ was to evaluate the lives and the ministry of his servants. Now you're going to find out about that even more in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 addresses that, right? 2 Corinthians 5, I think it's 10 through 11. Um, and so you can even go there, scribble that down if you want. But the fire is going to reveal, the fire is going to test the, quali- the quality of what's been done. It's going to determine reward that you may have or determine even loss. So we look at that very thing. You had, the very, you had the perfect foundation to build your life on. What are you doing with it? With it? And so Paul uses this metaphor. All right? Here's another way to think about it. Is that the way, that the materials that we use to build our life, it builds a monument of our life. And our lives become monuments to what we value. There are certain people in my life, and I, I tell you, I have been so incredibly blessed in my life to have people who had tremendous influence and impact on me from a very young age. Yeah, I had good parents and, um, man, awesome mom, awesome, awesome dad, all that. But um, I look at it and I had other people who poured in my life. But there are some people, I started making in a brief list and then I stopped um, a couple of days ago because I'm going, oh man. I started writing down people I just immediately thought about in my life. And the words that I first associated with them. There's one guy I thought about. This is from being in high school. And right away, I wrote down 1971 Corvette Stingray. Because that's what he was identified with. People would mock him like, hey, what's your wife think? Ask, ask the car, right? That's not a compliment, by the way. Men, if people joke around a lot that you're, you have a possession that's more like your wife, that's not a compliment. All right, so that's the first thing I thought. And I had another guy, and right away I thought about a team that he pulled for. Every day, right, you knew that he had something to represent the team he pulled for. Right? There are certain things that you, you think about someone, and you go, oh, that's what I think about. Because that's what they build their life around. Now, is it wrong to own a 1971 Corvette Stingray? No, it's not wrong to do that, especially if you let your pastor use it. That's not wrong. It's called being generous. <laughs> it's not wrong. However, that must not be what you build your life on. It must not be. The fire will expose at the end of life, the fire will expose what materials you have used to build your life. And our lives do become monuments to what we have placed the most value in. We leave behind a legacy of what we have believed to be most important. And so then we have to ask ourselves, what mark are you leaving behind? What mark are you leaving behind? So again... The work that anyone, verse 14 and 15, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he's going to receive a reward. Now, I believe part of that reward is praise to the Father, glory to the Father. And you're like, well, that's not reward for me. That's because you're not thinking about Christ. Remember, everything we do is for Christ. A reward, praise is a reward. Being able to offer praise to God is a reward from God because there's nothing greater than acknowledging who he is. 
You see what human condition has done to us? You see what sin has done to us? If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And so we recognize this very thing, that the fire is going to test our workmanship. What materials are you using to build your house? Now, we know that mature leaders invite accountability, right? And we use that partly because of what it says in Psalms, but also Proverbs and the wisdom literature. It's constantly talking about receiving wise counsel and inviting wise counsel in. We want to invite wise counsel into our lives at all times. That's what we want to be able to do. And here we're going, hey, maybe I need to go to a friend and ask them, if you look at my life, what kind of house do you think I'm building? Do you think it's one that, that at the end has built on the foundation of Jesus Christ? Friends, that's a, that's a stewardship issue. We sometimes only think about stewardship being a, in regards to the finances that we have in life. I think stewardship, when it comes to Christ, in, is, is in regards to all things of our life and how we're handling those very things. I have a friend of mine who's here in the church. He introduced a saying to me, and I, I completely agree with it 100%. Because as we're talking about, um, I remember... When I first came here looking at having to fix some things in the current building that we had and then build the new, and now we have another new building coming, et cetera. And as we're looking at that, one of the sayings that we now have is people remember quality well after price is forgotten. And we need to know if we're building our houses, spiritual houses, with quality. And this comes down to the relationships that you have. Is that building a house of quality? Do you have relationships that, that make other people go, yes, marriages that make other people go, yes, that's a picture of God's grace. Do you have these things happening in your life? Are you using good materials to build your house? And then he jumps in, 16 and following. Once again, will you stand for the reading of the Word of God? Now, this one's going to start with you. So start strong. All right. Ready, set, get it. Wow. Okay, let's just stay right there. Leave it up there if you would. That, I could just preach that. I'm going to let you do it again. Ready, set, get it. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. And then the new Joel version after that, it says, oh, snap. And <laughs> listen, to, like, right? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Let no one, don't deceive yourself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos, Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours. And you are Christ. And Christ is God's. This is the word of God. You may be seated.
So again, we're trying to walk through this. So you, you can walk through it with friends even and say, this is, hey guys, this is not hard to understand. Look at what it says. Is it really challenging? What materials are you using to build on the foundation of Christ? Are you building on the foundation of Christ? And if you are, are you using good materials to build on the foundation so that the end times it is proven through the refiner's fire that you have built with good things, that you have built toward God? That's what we have to understand. And then he says, do you not know that you are God's temple? That God's spirit lives within you. How cool is this? Now, there's two different ways to better evaluate this. Now, later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and 6, we do know that it's going to refer, um, and I think specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, it's going to speak about the, the, the reality that we are God's temple individually. I think this is addressing a little bit of that, but primarily I think this is addressing the fact that we are God's temple corporately as the bride of Christ. And so we have to evaluate what we're doing with the fact and the understanding that we are the temple of God. Like, here's another simple way to think about it. Is your life representing Christ well? Is there anything in your life that you wouldn't want your pastor to see or a brother in Christ see because you would be embarrassed because you know it's not living for Jesus? Now, he's going to address this too. He's like, please, God knows your craftiness. Ain't nothing kept in secret from him. Don't you know that you are God's temple? And to Paul, the, the church was the temple of God in which the Holy Spirit would dwell. Now remember, okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 and following. Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it addresses it once again, the quarreling and the bickering and the lack of unity within the body of Christ, the dissension. He's letting them know, here's one of the reasons why. He's letting them know that part of the reason you're having this dissension, this quarreling, is because you don't recognize that the Spirit of God is living within you and you're allowing division and, and dissension and all these other things to destroy the body of Christ. What are you doing? Friends, a church that is unified in its call, that is unified in Christ, that is unified in declaring the Word of God and they actually like each other, you wouldn't be shocked how many churches I go to and leaders are like, I'm struggling with this. I don't know what to do. And I'll just stop. Like, do you even like the people in your church? And they're like, I'm not sure. Because of the dissension. I'll tell you right now, I love every one of you. We get to worship God together for eternity. Right? Do you know the beauty and the power of a body of believers that are unified in its call to represent Jesus Christ in all things, every day, everywhere, at all times? There is so much beauty and power because the world is full of decay and hatred and dissension and all this division that is happening. But we have no division because we know that there's only one foundation and the foundation is Jesus. And they go, how do you all agree on this? Because we believe in the sovereignty of the word of God. Come on. Right? But the only way that happens is for you to go, wait, I'm going to build upon the foundation of Christ and I'm going to use material that is Christ honoring, God exalting, God glorifying.
You ever preach and you're like, dang, I'm preaching to myself. That just happened. I was like, oh, man. Whew. I think sometimes we forget that the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit's a person, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is living within us. And every single believer from the time you ask Christ into your life has the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. But then Paul says, don't you know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God is dwelling in you? And then he continues, he says, if anyone destroys, another word according to the translation, if anyone defiles or destroys God's temple. So you better make sure. Anybody claim to have Jesus Christ in your life? Anybody? So you're God's temple whether you like it or not. And if you're destroying or defiling what it is to have Christ in your life, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you're that temple. God is holy. God is perfect. He says, be holy as I am holy. Having the grace of God never means that what you do doesn't matter. God's temple is holy. You're that temple. Let, don't, don't deceive yourself. Some of you think you're so smart according to the age. You're a fool. You think, uh, this is verse 18. You think you can build it for yourself and you'll be good? Don't be a fool. Don't be that guy. Come on. You're not all that. But our God is. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Right? I pray that you, you recognize how dumb you are so that you get smart. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. Folly, another way of saying foolishness. Remember, he spoke about foolishness, folly, a lot. First Corinthians chapter 1. And he talked about how the world saw what we believe in Christ as being folly, as foolishness. But yet now God is going, oh, they, you've got no clue. You're, I think of you as being foolish. Don't you know? You're claiming to have a foundation in Christ that is perfect, yet you're trying to build life for yourself apart from Christ. It doesn't work that way, friends. That's what he's, that's what he's communicating. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. You can't hide it from God. He already knows what you're doing. You can't secretly build a life for yourself while claiming Christ. And if you think you're accomplishing it, you're a fool. The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise and they are futile. Let, so let no one boast in men. Listen to these last few verses. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Now remember, he talks about Cephas and Paul and Apollos and all these people, because they were following sometimes people rather than God. Remember this? Somebody say yes, just make me feel good. Thank you. 
Like, anybody remember this that I preached so passionately about? And you're like, crickets. I'm like, oh, great. Let no one boast in men. All these other things, they don't matter. Don't you know that you belong to Christ and Christ is God's? When I look at this passage, the question is this. The way that you know what types of materials you're using to build your house. I'm going to even go in this direction. If you're looking, we know the foundation is who? What's the foundation? There you go. So now you have to decide what materials you're going to use to build that house. Gold, precious stones, wood, hay. Which one are you going to use? And you're going, well, I don't know which one I'm going to use. You don't know which one you're going to use. You have to make up your mind. And one of the ways that you're going to know which, which one you're using is at the end of the day is have, have the people in your life looked at the, what you're building and said, man, you're boasting in the Lord. Or are you boasting in self? Does it prop you up or does it prop him up? So let, verse 21, so let no one boast in men. <clears throat> I wish I would have known a lot of things about 20 years ago that I knew today. Anybody else feel that way? Oh, boy. I, you know, I tell people, learn from my mistakes. You don't have to make any. I've made them all, right? And I, I start looking at it. I start evaluating life. And I, I, now when I start to interview people, I start listening more because what they boast in, I think, teaches me a lot about what they find value in. What they speak about the most tells me where they find value. Where they spend the majority of their time lets me know where they find value. Are they boasting in God or are they boasting in men? And when it says boasting in men, they're talking about boasting in, yeah, oh, I follow this guy or I follow that guy. But really, they're also speaking about, oh, they're boasting in, oh, well, wait, don't you know I have this possession or I have this or I have this or I have this title. All these different things that are coming about. Right. But we know it doesn't matter who, you know, it doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter the degrees you've achieved. Nothing compares to knowing Jesus Christ. And so you must evaluate what you're boasting in, what you're giving glory to. That's another word I would substitute for boasting. Not only what are you boasting in, but what are you giving glory to? And your house should be built in a manner in which you're giving so much glory to God. The people around you want to know why and what's the difference. Here he is with it. Let no one boast in, in men. Don't, don't boast in who you know, Paul or Apollos or Cephas or anybody else. Don't you know you belong to Christ and Christ is God's? Boast in the Lord. Boast in the Lord. Build a house built on him. One of my prayers is that everybody in here would just start sharing their faith. Start sharing your faith with other people. Someone will reject. That's okay. Friends, you'll get used to it. I've been, I've been there. But others, it'll wreak havoc in their life in the greatest way possible, and it will change generations to come.
forced me to buy thousands of pillows for people to sit on the floor. Boast in the Lord. Does your life and what you're building, does it boast in the Lord? This, this is truly the thing where I look at knowing that the surpassing worth of Jesus Christ surpasses everything else, right? Everything else is rubbish. That's what it tells us Philippians 3.8. Literally, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, right? I've suffered all loss for these things. I count everything else as rubbish. Nothing else actually matters apart from giving glory and honor and boasting in the Lord. And so we sit down together and I ask you as brothers and sisters, is your life boasting in the Lord? Because at the end, it's going to determine the value of what you've done. It's not a salvation issue. By grace, we are saved. I'm not saying that. Don't go out here and say, oh, it's about works. No, I'm not saying that. We can read through James and other books too about it. But is your life boasting in the Lord? And guess what? My God's worth bragging about. My God is worth bragging about. Anybody here have a God worth bragging about? Years ago when I had babies, I remember the moment that God just kind of punched me in the face. He says, man, I wish you would speak about me as much as you do your babies. He's worth speaking about. He's worth boasting in. Will you boast in the Lord? God, I come before you and I give you thanks for who you are and what you've done. And I ask that we would know what it is to boast in you, to build our life on the foundation that is already perfect. That is Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And that we would use materials that are worthwhile to give glory to you, that boast in the power of our God. Because let's be honest, God, some of our biggest problems is that we're trying to build a house that's not giving you glory. And then we get upset with you for it. And so God, give us the the spiritual tenacity needed to know when we need to use different building materials, different relationships, so that we can boast in our God. In Christ's name.